0: Good afternoon and welcome, of course, to our midweek special, the podcast brought to you by Equine Devil's Advocate. It is a blustery, wet and windy day, but actually it's quite warm. Now, this extra edition for you on this Wednesday is, of course, our previously announced specialist topic question, the topic of your choice that you put forward for discussion. Today we have a question from Claire and she is in the U.S. of A. Now, she said she has been riding for about three years and has discovered herself to have an affinity for hot-blooded horses, particularly thoroughbreds. She is keen to buy herself an off-the-track thoroughbred or what we call actually an ex-racehorse. But she is also keen to hear others' views on this subject and also your views on racing as an industry in general. So, many thanks of course to Claire for coming forward with this topic. It is actually a very broad question, but given that we can actually multitask, you will find now there are going to be two questions running simultaneously on our website pages. The question of the curse of Tutankhamun still stands until Friday. And, of course, the correspondence for Claire's question will also be there. So, it will be Hot Stuff, Team No Racing, Biscuit, Team Racing, and Koya, Team both. Now, given that that it is actually such a broad question, where to begin? Well, I think let's start with the horses. Thoroughbreds let's begin there. What exactly is a thoroughbred? And is there actually such a thing as a thoroughbred in the same context that we would talk of in other breeds a shire, a Connemara, or a Lusitano, for instance? They're somewhat clear cut in size, conformation, colouring, markings, temperament and aptitude. But in the thoroughbred? Is there the same thing? Actually, no. There isn't. Some of you will already know this, especially if you've actually joined us from the beginning and listened to our podcast episodes entitled The Willing Participant, Part 1 and 2. Some of you who are new may not know, but I did tell of a time when I was actually working in racing. So, when it comes to talking of thoroughbreds i could reel off name after name after name after name after name probably until the middle of next week without stopping or pausing for breath all names of thoroughbreds i could tell you of each horse which on a spectrum would range from in size the smallest daintiest finest boned and the slowest to the fastest the biggest, strongest, broadest type and everything in between. In temperament, I could tell you of individuals on a spectrum that would range from the ultimate couch potato to the sharpest, most reactive and most sensitive, and every description of every temperament in between. So, what exactly is a thoroughbred? Well, people. A thoroughbred is a horse that has actually transcended time in the most remarkable way. As we know it, all are descendants from three stallions. There's the Dali Arabian, the Godolphin Barb, and the Byerley Turk, and an original breeding stock of 43 royal mares, imported to England by King Charles II, and from 1791 the stud book was born. The American stud book was first recorded in 1897, and it actually includes foals and stock from Puerto Rico, Canada, Mexico, as well as parts of all over the U.S.A. And so how many countries actually have a thoroughbred? Of course, there's the English thoroughbred, there's the Irish thoroughbred. Is the American Thoroughbred, Australian Thoroughbred, New Zealand Thoroughbred, Hungarian Thoroughbred, Argentinian Thoroughbred, German Thoroughbred, French therabred. and so the list goes on. And another astonishing fact about Thoroughbreds: it is in fact probably easier to read a list of other breeds that have not been crossed with the Thoroughbred than to name all those that have. Just think, how many thoroughbred crosses are there? Well, we have Welsh cross thoroughbred, Irish draught cross thoroughbred, Shire cross thoroughbred, Clydesdale cross thoroughbred, Hackney cross thoroughbred, Arab cross thoroughbred, Connemara cross thoroughbred, Highland pony cross thoroughbred, New Forest pony cross thoroughbred. And then of course, there are warm bloods. A cold bloody draught type, crossed with a thoroughbred. And why? To create a sport horse. A horse with the best attributes of the original breed but injected with blood. To be lighter, quicker, more athletic, more stamina, more blood. To improve in sport. Now, what exactly is this blood that people speak of. I actually, quite some time ago, read a quote, uh, sadly I don't actually know who quoted it, cause I can't remember, but I think it really sums up what that blood discussion is all about. It went like this, quote, a horse can have a long neck or a short neck, but it has to be a short distance between the rider's seat, leg and hand to his brain. This is what we call blood, unquote. So, does that mean a quick-minded, quick in reflexes and trainability? Yes, this is blood. And there is to be found thoroughbred influence in every warm, blo- warm blood studbook across the world. The KWPN, which is the Royal Dutch Sport Horse from Holland, they actually hold the world number one ranking for breeding of the world's top dressage horses and show jumpers. Interestingly enough, the greatest blood influence of their very successful lineage of show jumpers comes from the full thoroughbred Lucky Boy, a horse that was actually born in 1966. But the caveat to this information is that more recently they have decided in their Phenomenal Breeding Programme that it is now not necessary to reintroduce thoroughbred blood, even in the event horse. They are climbing up the rankings there very quickly too, but, it has to be said, thoroughbreds still lead in that sport. But it's interesting, is it not? And I guess only time will tell whether they do, in fact, reintroduce that blood, or not. And what of the beautiful Bella Rose, whose remarkable comeback we saw at the World Equestrian Games this year? Absolutely, more thoroughbred blood in her lineage, Nyarko, to name but one. So, what is a thoroughbred, and what can it do? How versatile are they? Well, in time, it is in fact only about 300 years, a mere blink of the eye. But in that short time span, the thoroughbred horse has lent its blood to nearly every discipline you can think of. So, Claire, is it really any wonder that you find yourself so attracted to the hot-blooded horse? Here is proof that millions of people over the past 300 or so years have also seen the advantage and found the attraction in the thoroughbred horse. But perhaps the most common association for people to automatically think is thoroughbred equals racehorse. Well, yes, way back in 1791, that is exactly what King Charles II was intending, to create the best racehorse and so, on to racing. What, what is racing? What is it actually all about, really? Yes, here in England, it is known as the sport of kings. But we here at Equine Devil's Advocate actually feel it makes a bit more sense to look at mankind to understand the evolution of this sport. You see, mankind, humans, people, have since the very dawn of time exhibited a competitive spirit the desire the need to be the biggest the quickest, the strongest the fastest, have the most endurance, be the most intellectual the most skilled to excel, to exceed to be first in every way in every walk of life male and female there is in fact not one of you out there that is not competitive, in some way, shape or form, on a daily basis. Just think about it for a minute. From a very small child to elderly adult, when have you not been competitive in some way? When have you not wanted to be better than another? First to school. Onto the bus to get the best seat you want. First to score the goal in the playground. First to serve an ace in tennis. First to get that promotion. First to write that stunning dissertation that will wow your lecturer. Or simple things. First to catch that cab. First to get to the bakery in the morning for the freshest bread or pastries. To host the best birthday party, dinner party, awards ceremony. Christmas party, and on and on the list goes. You see, it's in our blood, in our DNA. And then, of course, it also shows it wanted to be first comment on a YouTube channel. Well, okay, you say, but how does that then become racing horses? So, we say, this is how. How many things and how many times do we race other things in our lives? As children, we race by running. We race on our bikes. We race on our skateboards, rollerblades. We race our pet dogs. In fact, my brother and I even raced our terrapins on the lino floor. Albert, mine, bigger and slower, and Speedy, my brother's, smaller and quicker. Who won? Well, Albert because he went in the straight line. Speedy spun around in circles a lot. Was that it? Race over? No. My brother couldn't concede that his terrapin could be beaten. So, they raced again in the hope that, for once, Speedy might actually win. You see, that competitive spirit locked in our human DNA, it transfers to everything we do. There are then Community held summer fetes and fun days. Who makes the best jam? Who baked the best cake? Who grew the most spectacular vegetables? There is a terrier racing. There is snail racing. There's a piglet racing, ferret racing. There's a frog racing. There's bug racing. And for heaven's sake, shortly, at New Year, we will all be racing plastic ducks down the river. It's a New Year's tradition in a local village. So you see, it is everywhere and of course we race horses. But there is in fact actually much more to it. There is a flip side and I think there is an amazing historical story that shines a totally different light. It shines a very different light on racing and why it perhaps continues in every country and why it has become its own industry and why it has become a way of life and holds its appeal through time and for people from all walks of life it is in fact a story that took place in the US of A it is part of your heritage and the history of your country you see In 1948, the American economy began to crash again. Some say it was still the aftermath from the war. And unemployment rose, and it rose for a year. Families lost everything, their investments, their homes, their businesses, their livelihoods, and uh, spiralled downward into a place of despair and hunger, a truly bleak time to live and seemingly little prospect for a good future. The effects could be seen all across your great nation. In times such as these, throughout history, mankind draws on the competitive spirit locked in our DNA to survive. Corruption, disruption, chaos, crime, betrayal, all emerge out of desperation and a need to be competitive to survive and to succeed. Yet, this time, in 1949, who was it that created some hope, inspiration, and a unity amongst so many people who were trying to batter each other down in the need to survive? Who lifted the souls of these people from their despair? Who lifted... In fact, the spirits of a whole nation. It was, in fact, one little plain brown colt. I am, of course, talking of Seabiscuit, a little racehorse. Now, I'm sure some of you do know of his story, but some of you may not. And whilst I fully appreciate it is nearly December and there is so much to do before the festive period, but I urge you to find the time to watch the film Seabiscuit, just to take stock of the effect one little Plain Bay racehorse had on a whole nation in a time of Great Depression. What one little racehorse brought, through his own diversity and trauma, to mankind. Make that time. I urge you, find the time to watch that film Seabiscuit, for he truly deserves all our respect. And, in summary, in conclusion of this episode, we do, of course, welcome your correspondence. It is a very broad question and a very broad topic, but we welcome your thoughts and your feelings and your opinions on Team Racing, Team No Racing, or team both our follow-up for this episode the specialist topic will be in one week's time next wednesday on the 5th of december and of course please do join us on friday for our regular follow-up friday edition so until then wherever you are whatever you're doing take care and we will speak soon